Welcome back, Bayside. Streaming only on Peacock. Can't wait to start junior year. Saved by the Bell is back. This is gonna be awesome. And taking school spirit. Our rivals just destroyed our mascot. We're gonna crush Valley. To the max. If we don't learn from the past, we are doomed to repeat it. That's why we have all these reboots of teen shows from the 90s. Get a new idea, Hollywood. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Still Realto Show, episode number 611 for October 28th, 2021. Welcome to this week's edition of SRTU. I'm one half of the show. I am Jeff Peck, joined every single week by my co host, the one and only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, how are we supposed to do this championship exchange, my friend? Uh, apparently you just have like a schoolgirl fight and, uh, throw stuff at each other until somebody pouts and runs away. I think that's how you're supposed to do it, but I don't know. It, 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 it was like watching two girls fight over a, a, a pumpkin spice latte. Ooh, I like the tie-in. I like to see like two old guys like you and I now. Uh, are we, are you up on the pumpkin spice craze? Uh, no, not me personally. And even my wife doesn't really get into it, but. It just popped in my head because I, I, I have a question for you. When you guys, when you were younger in the Northeast, yep, yep. Wh- where did like a group, like when you were like in a group of friends, uh, like, I know where you're school, going. like where did you guys hang out at? Uh, there was a local deli that was 24 seven that we would always hang out at. Uh, that was one. Two was uh, like this Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. Um, okay. And that's really it to be honest with you. I, I, we we don't have many WalMarts. I know that's like a Southern thing. Um, but yeah, that's typically where we hung out. I, I'm, I live in a small town, so that's literally where I'm going with because I had you know I pulled off to do the podcast, and of course my my Walmart parking lots are usually pretty good to do the show. But I'm sitting here, I'm watching four, I don't know, watching two guys, two girls. They're roughly in their late teens, early twenties. The epitome of what a pumpkin spice calendar would be. Okay, um, huh? They have flannels on. Yeah, your girl has flannels on and Uggs. So, I mean, it's literally like picture-perfect fall pumpkin spice girl. What uh, type of car? Is that a lifted pickup? 
No, actually, this one, uh, somebody's got a Honda Civic because they have the bass okay. up on their you know random hip-hop album. Okay, okay, that's uh, fair. Because I think if I went le- uh, lifted pickup truck, I wouldn't know how they looked. But a little bit of a twist there, saying that it's Honda, C- Honda Civic, with like a yeah. like a low riding Honda Civic with like tints. A little bit, yeah. I mean, the one guy's in a hoodie with white skinny ripped jeans. Okay, okay, uh, okay. You know, trying to look tough for the the pumpkin spice girls. Okay, so, yeah, okay. I mean, They're wearing a beanie, like. Nah, I think one guy's wearing his uh, high school football jersey with his cowboy boots. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Now this is a twist. This sounds like a movie. Yeah. You're watching a real movie play out. Okay. This is this is kind of like the uh, the millennial version of the Breakfast Club, just at mm. night. Is what I'm kind of looking at here. It's like a kind of a mishmash. And now the group has multiplied as we speak. as we speak. They went from four to eight. What so the, is it? Wait, rapid. it may be a fight. No, no. I think. I mean, people are hugging. It's got okay. like a group thing. But I, do you think? I do you think it's a TikTok dance? Like they're about to do a TikTok dance? If they do. So this has also been one of my things in life. I have always waited, wanted a choreographed dance routine to break out somewhere in my vicinity. <laughs> like, see it happen all the time. And uh, what was it? Flash flash mobs. Yes. Of that same thought process. And I've never been in a flash mob. And I've never had a random choreographed dance routine break out anywhere near me. So if that happens... I can combine all these things into one, um, and then maybe my lottery ticket will pay off. That we talked about. It is that is bucket list. I mean, if anybody, I mean, if, that, if somebody starts doing a choreographed dance in front of you, like out of nowhere, I do think that we could probably die happy. It is the South, and there is a lot of country line dancing that happens in the South, uh, but typically not in a parking lot. Okay. So I don't know what the parameters are if it's. If line dancing is allowed, but only inside of a bar slash dance hall, or if you can do line dancing anywhere you want to. I got to be honest, man. I, this is like a, like a throwback here because this is how we used to always do the shows. You'd be like in a random parking lot and describing things for us. I'm, I'm a very good visual describer. So uh, these, these words can kind of create pictures in your minds, folks. That's what we do here, here on the podcast game, SRTEO. Uh, going back to last week's episode, we did a breakdown of Crown Jewel. It was on Thursday. Dr. Trey was working. He didn't get a chance to watch the entire show. Since then, you have watched the show, Dr. Trey. Match of the night, event rating. What did you think of Crown Jewel? Yeah, I, I went with Edge and Seth Rollins. I thought that match was fantastic. Love the, the, the back and forth and, and, and each guy trying to hit the other guy's moves and eventually Edge hitting the stomp on Seth. I thought it was great. Um, Event rating, I was at like a 3.9. I thought this was the best Crown Jewel we've had. This is probably the best Saudi show we've had. Um, you know, there's a couple spots where it kind of dragged at times, but overall I thought the show was really, really solid from top to bottom. So I, I don't understand. I, I still see people a week later complaining about Crown Jewel. I'm like, really? I actually enjoyed the show. It was actually pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand that. I, I No complaints at all from Crown Jewel. And I'm the biggest complainer of Crown Jewel stuff, greatest Royal Rumble that you will ever find. I hate those shows. Super showdown. Not a big fan of it. This was one that actually felt like a legit WWE show and not one where they were uh, outside of the the guy from um, Saudi Arabia, the, yeah. the karate Olympic medalist. Like, outside of that, it was pretty normal show. So, um, Doc... I was just saying, is it weird that I already forgot what sport he was? I, you had to say that because I was like, wait, I already forgot what sport he medaled in. I think it was Taekwondo, right? Specifically? No. 
I didn't know they did martial arts in Saudi Arabia because I would think the crown would be against that because that's a way of defending yourself against the police state. Sorry, political rant over. <laughs> yeah, no, there we go. That is uh, that's for the political podcast that we will never do uh, uh, here. Dr. Trey, uh, real fast before we jump off into other topics here, what did you think of the Goldberg match? Where were you standing on that? Yeah, I go back to you know, like I told, like I said last week, I had some people tell me it was best Goldberg's best match in a long time, and I can't argue with that. I thought <clears throat> it was it was maybe what it, it was probably Goldberg's most spirited match. Like you actually felt like he was trying, and I think in other ones we've seen him kind of go through the motions more than anything else. Like this one felt like he was trying to impress, like he was trying to live up to the hype. So, um, you know, for a guy that's you know pushing sixty. You know, it was a damn good performance against a guy who maybe is, you know, Bobby Lashley arguably is maybe the greatest, you know, pure athlete for power, speed, you know, all that stuff in history of WWE outside of maybe Brock. But, you know, Goldberg put up a damn good fight against him. So I, I give that man a lot of credit for that performance. If if we get that Goldberg every time he'd appear, you and I wouldn't knock him. It was a, yeah. it was a damn good match for him. Yeah, like I said on last week's show, the cheat code appears to be a non-title, no holds barred match. Like that's that's the cheat code for a guy at his age, right? And and his repertoire, like that's what you would expect. Like let him just have a drag out fight. People are going to eat it up. And I did again. I'm a big Goldberg complainer, and I thought it was great. I thought it was a great match. Um, dare I say, overall, Crown Jewel one of the best WWE shows of the year. And probably the most surprising wrestling show of the year, because uh, that was like really low expectations, was Crown Jewel. So we'll close the book here on Crown Jewel 2021, and it appears they'll be picking that back up in February sometime. Uh, we'll talk about the 2022 pay-per-view schedule for WWE here in a little bit. But first, as we alluded to to open up the show, Charlotte and Becky Lynch have a backstage altercation after SmackDown. Uh, for those of you living under a rock, there was the Charlotte-Becky Lynch uh, title exchange segment on SmackDown this past Friday. Um, according to reports, Charlotte went to the segment not wanting to, quote, look weak and is being seen as the one to take things off script. She wasn't supposed to pull the title away at all from Becky Lynch and was believed backstage that she was trying to one-up Lynch by making her pick up the title. WWE official Sonya Deville ended up making Charlotte get the title. The reports have that Sonya uh, was just as irritated as everybody else was with Charlotte Flair. Uh, PW Insider initially reported that Lynch wasn't supposed to toss the title at Charlotte, but now says that part of the segment was supposed to happen. Uh, the two superstars had some heated words for each other, which happened in the grill position. Fightful Select first reported Charlotte was asked to leave during Lynch's dark match to avoid any other problems. PW Insider noted she was escorted out by a WWE official. As reported by Talk Sport, Charlotte left grill position without talking to Vince McMahon, which apparently he was unhappy about. The heat is on Charlotte is partially for dis- disrespecting Lynch, but also pulling the attention of the segment in the wrong direction. WWE was looking to build up Charlotte versus Sasha Banks and felt what happened undermined Banks. Since there was no physicality, Lynch doesn't have any heat and seen as someone who was protecting themselves after being pushed too far. The report continued that Charlotte was very upset afterwards, and some wonder if this is what prompted Andre L. Idolo's FU WWE tweet that went out within the hour of all this happening on Friday. In regards to Charlotte's WWE contract, she has years left on their current deal, and it's unlikely for WWE to grant a release to someone they consider an important talent. Um, there's other stuff here with Charlotte. She was pulled from media. That's where he came out earlier today, Thursday morning. Um, there was uh, – what else was there with Charlotte Flair? Uh, there were reports of her like with the inner circle, her inner circle possibly trying to make a push to get her out of WWE. The reports out there that she was supposed to be going to AW Dynamite in Orlando, Florida on Saturday night to support Andre L. Idolo. 
Um, that wasn't the case. The the Sonya stuff, Becky Lynch stuff, like it, they're I guess Becky Lynch and uh, Charlotte Flair's friendship is strained, and this goes back to the WrestleMania 35 buildup. Uh, they're it's well known that they were like best friends. They did I think tea time or whatever on Instagram for a while. That led to the whole Charlotte and Becky Lynch stuff. Um, Dr. Trey, the person to me that reads this goes, wow, this is this is pretty crazy. Uh, Charlotte, uh, Becky getting into it. There's reports out there that Charlotte's been pretty upset lately with a lot of things. Uh, Charlotte has uh, reportedly she wanted to drop the title to Bianca Belair the week heading into Crown Jewel. To give her the Raw Championship, uh, but they didn't go in that direction, and and she thought that it made Bianca look weak, which I kind of kind of agree with. Her f- father, Hall of Famer Ric Flair, leaves the company. One of the reports out there was that he was hap- unhappy with the way that Charlotte was being booked. I think she's been booked very well since she's become a heel since returning with that whole Oscar storyline um, that kind of faded away. I think when Oscar, I think it was like she tested positive for COVID or something. And they made her go to a heel route. And I think she's been fantastic. Uh, the fan in me that reads this goes, wow, this is a, a pretty serious situation. I'm, I'm enthralled by this. So we're talking about it on the top of the podcast. But the longtime wrestling fan in me is going, I wonder if they're working us. I wonder if they're working the fans. They're working the, quote, boys. And they're trying to set something up for Survivor Series 2021, right? Because it's going to be champion versus champion. And now there's some fuel to the fire. Like if this comes out into a storyline... This is pretty cool, but I don't know where to sit on this right now, Doctor Trey. I, I'm I'm fifty fifty, right? It's still real to us. Damn it! Your thoughts here on the Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair segment from SmackDown, which, by the way, was also edited out on Saturday when there was an encore presentation of SmackDown this past week. Your thoughts on the entire uh, situation and story here, Doctor Trey? Yeah, I'm kind of. I, I hate saying fifty fifty because I'm I'm I hate being on the fence, but there's part of it where I'm with you. Like, I, I agree that the longtime wrestling fan of me kind of goes, well, this is probably some kind of work because although the friendship between Becky and Charlotte may have been strained, I mean, these girls have come up in the ranks together. They've been best friends. They, I mean, they, you go back to Becky's heel turn, you know, that was all brought on by Charlotte. I mean, it, a lot of that stuff, those guys have worked hand in hand. And then you go back to the, you know, the triple threat match at WrestleMania with Charlotte, Rhonda and, and Becky, you know, that was, the culmination for them of like how great they've worked to get the women elevated to that point. So to me, there is that side of, you know, it's like, well, it's probably a work, but on the flip side, ever since, like I would say ever since Charlotte and Andrade started becoming a couple, Charlotte's acted like a petulant child at times. Like if she doesn't get her way, you know, she kind of acts out and, you know, just in the last few months, you go back to that match that she had with Nia Jax. And it's like, yeah, that got kind of real for a little bit. And then you see what happened on SmackDown. And you hear these things like, she's not happy how she's booked. It's like, you're a 12-time women's world champion. Like, you don't really get booked better than that. You know, it, it's kind of like, like John Cena complaining about his booking. Like, you're arguably the greatest female wrestler of all time. And you're worried about how they're booking you. And you're still the champion on the flagship show because you know smackdown on fox is the flagship show so i don't get it at times it just kind of does feel like the it's almost like she's acting out because of the crap andrade went through in a sense too is it so it's kind of i'm 50 50 like i think there's some truth to it but i also think when when you have some reality in wrestling you can actually work some pretty good angles 
out of it as well. So that's probably why I think it's a little bit of both going for, going on here. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a lot of the Paige Del Rio um, yeah. relationship where it, clearly there were stories out there that didn't really and, – and, and I'm not talking about the domestic stuff. I'm just talking about the attitude stuff because there is no issues of domestic going on here with Charlotte and uh, and Andre Aldo. Um it is like the attitude change, like Paige's attitude change was a big deal. Um, necessarily, Del Rio wasn't a great influence on Paige. And it kind of feels that way with Andrade Alidolo. I'm a huge fan of his in-ring work. And he seems like a relatively nice guy in a lot of interviews that you see. But he is very vocal and vehement against WWE. Like he's coming out there saying F U WWE on Friday night. Like that's that's not good. Like to put that type of stuff out there because that falls back to Charlotte and her, her job. I mean, there had to have been some sort of closed door meetings or discussions on the phone or zooms or whatever this week about this entire situation. Like if it's legit and it's not working us and it's not working the boys, um, then we got a problem here because again, the fan of me looks at this situation goes, well, I just feel like Charlotte is going to be AW bound. Like that's the easy way out. But it's not necessarily not that easy given her contract. But this entire thing is very, very interesting. Like, um, I think, you know, Charlotte's been one of the best booked, booked females in all of wrestling. I think she is a top two or three women's wrestler this year. I mean, how how could she be upset with her career right now and everything that's been going on? Um, it's... It's an interesting situation, Dr. Trey. I, I really feel like I'm being worked here, but obviously there's a big part of us that's that, that you really can't let your guard down. So the Charlotte Becky Lynch stuff, it, it's very interesting. We'll see what happens here heading into Survivor Series. Do you think come Survivor Series 2021, it's going to be the SmackDown Women's Champion, uh, the new SmackDown Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, taking on the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch? Um, yeah, I mean, it's only what, like a month out. So I, I can see it going that way. I mean, you know, there was reports out there that even Charlotte calling out Becky for that, you know, one-on-one match, you know, on SmackDown wasn't part of the script either. Like that wasn't where it was supposed to go. So I can see them, you know, kissing and making up and, and working this into a, Hey, let's, let's put this, you know, get this out there. So that way we can be a little bit higher up on the card, uh, make a little bit more money, um, you know, out of it, but you know, there's also it, it's also like you mentioned, Paige and Del Rio. It also kind of reminds me of Rusev and Lana. True, Rusev left AEW and Lana was still there, and Rusev was, you know, bashing the company for every you know for every time Lana went through a table because of Nia Jax. It's just to me, the difference is that Charlotte knows she has star power. Like Charlotte knows that Fox or USA requests her to be on their show, so. In her mind, it's, it's you know the, the the star player in the NBA who wants to get you know wants to get traded. They act out. The team trades him. Well, difference is you're not going to do that with Vince. Vince will just make you sit on the sideline and he'll pay you. But you know because the contracts are different. Uh, but he's Vince isn't going to let a Charlotte Flair walk you know, let her go walk out the door and go to AEW unless Charlotte just causes such a scene that you know publicly it's just not worth the WWE. I mean she would have to go above and beyond the typical, you know, disgruntled WWE worker to get her release. Uh, Let's moving forward here. Let's talk about uh, all elite wrestling. 
Um, AEW Impact Wrestling, they had Bound for Glory this past weekend, Dr. Trey. Uh, according to reports, their partnership has end, ended. Uh, Christian Cage dropped the Impact World Championship to uh, Josh Alexander, who dropped it to Moose, who's the new Impact Wrestling Champion, to close Bound for Glory. Um, it's been about a 10-month, almost 11-month partnership dating back to the winter is coming event in December for AEW when Kenny Omega made the famous bold claim that, uh, or excuse me, uh, Don Callis did that we would see Kenny Omega on impact wrestling. It'd be the first time he would talk was going to be on impact since winning the AEW world championship from John Moxley the night before. Um, the partnership, Dr. Trey, we were very excited for it in the beginning. We were very critical of it as it went forward. Now that the book is closed for now, how do we look back at this? Was it a success, the AEW and Impact Wrestling Partnership? Um, I would say slightly better than WCW Invasion. I mean, it, it didn't do anything for AEW. You really think like, it's slightly better? I mean, on paper, when you looked at it, you're like, man, you, know, you could get some really great stuff out of this. And help elevate AEW and, and really get their name out there to the impact crowd and vice versa. And I just don't think it worked. I mean, I don't think impact really won a match against AEW other than Josh Alexander beating, you know, Christian. I, I outside of that, I just, I don't see it as a benefit for impact. At all. It helped AEW out because it got Tony Khan on TV and now Tony Khan's a character as well. It got the forbidden door gimmick to start working. But I think for Impact, I don't, I don't think it helped elevate the Impact product at all uh, coming out of this. So to me, it's like you would get a C for AEW's performance or a B, maybe a B minus. But for Impact, I think it's a D. I don't think that it really did anything for the company. Yeah. So this is how I look at it, right? I was watching impact wrestling when this first happened i've been watching impact wrestling for probably a good two years straight since it came over to access television i have recently stopped watching impact wrestling over the summer because i just felt like it wasn't worth my time anymore to truly watch the show and this is when kenny uh was still impact world champion i think he dropped the title of christian cage shortly thereafter uh which was a shame because i really it was like an impact wrestling was like the show i liked watching on thursdays or friday mornings or whatever over the weekend when I watched it on DVR, that was just kind of like a, a like a little fun, quiet wrestling show. And I, when this thing happened, I was so excited, right, ready to see a lot of different matchups. Sammy Callahan showing up, Eddie Edwards showing up on AEW television, and it never happened, right? The only one that really showed up was uh, Moose did a match for Impact Wrestling in Jacksonville. But outside of that, it was just Gallus and Anderson, which was a great addition to the Elite, but... Now, they've kind of just faded away, ironically enough, and nothing really happened. The, from the Impact Wrestling side, Kenny Omega was able to come over and wrestle. So was Christian Cage, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian. So that that, that stuff was cool. Uh, Private Party, I, I know, wrestled there for a little bit as well. Uh, I don't know if I missed anybody else. But all in all, it was not anything that elevated Impact Wrestling. And I think it goes to show you, for a guy who was watching Impact and then stopped watching it during the partnership i think that speaks volumes where it was a success or not i don't think it was success at all i don't think it was a success for either team uh either organization i i just don't think we got anything out of it to be honest with you so i don't know it had very high hopes a lot of excitement 
It felt like that things were going to be different um, and it wasn't going to be like invasion-esque, but I, I think the invasion was better uh, being that we're comparing it because they didn't really do anything. They didn't take advantage of it. And if they wanted to take advantage of it, I just felt like Impact Wrestling was being used by AEW. Um, and that was really it. If they really wanted to help out Impact Wrestling and benefit from them, their top stars should have been there performing as well on AEW TV. And that just never happened. And I would have never guessed that, Dr. Trey, back in early December when this when this thing kicked off. I would have never thought that Moose or Sammy Callahan, Eddie Edwards... Um, Josh Alexander, that they would never have wrestled the match on AEW television. I, I did not see that coming. Yeah, I mean, that was surprising. I mean, and, and especially from those guys' point of view, because a lot of those guys have relationships that cross over from brand to brand. I mean, Cody has history and impact. Brian Cage has history and impact. There's a lot of guys that have history and impact. Sting has you know history and impact. You know, they... A lot of those guys have that crossover. The Young Bucks have history of Impact. And then you got nothing from Impact on AEW. And I'm like, to me, if I was Scott Demore or whoever who was in charge of putting this all together, that's something I would demand. I would have really worked in the deals. Like, I don't have a problem with Kenny coming over here and being the Impact champion, but we have to get some guys on your brand as well to create that cross promotional appeal. And it just never happened, and it's it's very disappointing. I mean, they had. I mean, you know, Kenny Omega, Rich Swan was a great match. Kenny Omega and Sammy Callahan was good. Like there were some good matches out of it. Kenny Omega and, and Moose was good, but it didn't really elevate any of those guys. And then, to me, Impact blows the whole thing by having Josh Alexander beat Christian Cage, which is phenomenal. And then you have Moose beat. Yeah, Josh Alexander by cashing in. I'm like, you just blew your own spot. That's, that's poetic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's like, like at that point, I would have had I would have had Christian beat Alexander, and then Moose cashed in on Christian because at least the guy who's on top beat an AEW guy instead of you know Moose cashed in against a guy who was exhausted and got the win on an upset, and then Moose cashes in. To me, it doesn't elevate Josh Alexander, other than that the old WWE thing of. Well, he's a one-time world champion. Um, you know, the old Jack Swagger uh, run in WWE. Well, he beat a former world champion. Jack Swagger lost like 55 matches in a row at that point. So it just, to me, it just it just befuddles me that Impact, it, to me, it's almost like Impact was like the ugly girlfriend that just wanted to please the boyfriend so he wouldn't leave. And he would just do whatever they want to make the boyfriend happy. The boyfriend still ended up leaving her anyway. Yeah, if I was Impact Wrestling, I would have been pissed. Maybe they were. Who knows? But Don Callis left. I mean, it's just crazy. I think they were trying to bring awareness, impact, and it just never really paid off, in my opinion. I think the perfect way to put it there is the example you just said. You finally have the AEW guy take the pin over, uh, putting over the Impact Wrestling guy, and then you drop the championship for the Impact Wrestling guy to another Impact Wrestling guy within mere minutes and seconds. So uh, I think that's the, the, the perfect way to put it. And then I would also say the other example of it, and, and I mentioned this before when this match was happening, no disrespect to him. I love Rich Swan, but when they did the Kenny Rich Swan match, it looked it looked so off kilter. Like it just was not an even matchup at all. And that's how it looked like for the most part of it. And they did not elevate the impact wrestling stars like I think they should have. Um with with you know, making a guy like Josh Alexander become a become a megastar. Uh Kenny, I guess only would drop the title to an AEW guy. For, for that to happen as well, by the way. So 
that partnership's over, and I think Impact Wrestling um, did, didn't really change much, and I think they just need to get back to building their product and not worry about you know AEW stars, which they've kind of done over the last three, four months, I feel like. Um, WWE announces their 2022 pay-per-view schedule. WrestleMania 38 is going to be a two-night event. Uh, this comes to us from Wrestling Inc. WWE confirmed that WrestleMania 38 will be a two-night event at AT&T Stadium in Dallas on Saturday, April 2nd, and Sunday, April 3rd. And then the big news here for old guys like Dr. Trey and I, and this is actually has me very excited, Dr. Trey. Several of the 2022 WWE pay-per-view events were announced as Saturday shows, with the exception of right now the May and June to-be-announced pay-per-views. So WrestleMania 38 for the third year in a row will be a two-night event. Great move. I think it makes a ton of sense. It breaks it up. Uh, gives WWE more money in their pocket. They'll have two huge crowds of nearly 100,000 people. Um, and then Dr. Trey, I mean, this is life-changing, honestly. I'm, I'm not even kidding when I say that. But WWE doing their pay-per-view events on Saturdays, this is long overdue. Like, if if they announce tomorrow that Raw is going back to two-hour show, I'm going to die a happy man. Um, <laughs> because guys like you and I, that Sunday night show and trying to work on Mondays, the older that we get, wasn't that easy, especially when the shows ran really long. I'm looking at you, WrestleManias. Uh, moving into Saturday, if you miss it on Saturday night, you can watch it on demand at any point on Sunday. Thumbs up all around. I love this decision by WWE, and I like that they announced the full 2022 pay-per-view slate. I, this is a good business move by World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah, because it gives people ways to plan for stuff, because SummerSlam is going to be two hours from my house. SummerSlam is going to be in Nashville at, um, at, at Titan Stadium, so... I'm already trying to figure out how am I going to get tickets and how am I going to get my way up there. So I'm already looking forward to that. And I love the fact that you plan it so far out that guys like me who have hectic work schedules can start planning for stuff like this because, you know, I never thought I'd get a SummerSlam anywhere near me. I always thought it's going to be on the West Coast or the Northeast. And now we're getting one in Nashville. So I'm really excited about that. The Saturday shows are great because – you can, if you're traveling to a show, you can kind of make a weekend out of it. You don't have to run. You don't have to try to, you know, get somewhere on a Sunday and get home by a Monday. Let alone if you're a fan at home watching it and you staying up till 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday night, and then having to be at work at six or seven o'clock the next morning, it, it, it kind of sucks. So this this is actually great for wrestling fans all around. I'm I'm really glad they did this, and it just got me excited because uh, I can cross one more off my bucket list if I can make it to SummerSlam. Yeah, that's, that, that's definitely on the pay-per-view uh, bucket list because I did a SummerSlam. I wanted to do it. I would highly recommend it as well to be like, okay, I did a SummerSlam. This is pretty badass. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, great moves all around here by WWE. I, I like the call for doing the Saturday shows, like I said, two-night event for WrestleMania 38. Um, it, it seems like these two-night WrestleManias, Dr. Trey, are here to stay. Yeah, and uh, that's something, you know, you go back to <clears> – <throat> excuse me, four or five years ago when we were watching, when you and I got really into New Japan watching Wrestle Kingdom, and they were two nice shows, and it was like, man, this is so much great. This is so much better than WrestleMania in the sense of we're not spending seven hours watching the show. It's broken up, and you kind of pick and choose if you want to watch one night and not the other, or you get time to you know, come, you know take stuff in that happened on night one as you get ready for night two. Um, it doesn't seem like it's rushed. You can plan stuff out better and give matches more time. And, you know, I'm really happy WWE's doing that because, that, I mean, WWE tries to get everybody they can on their roster onto a WrestleMania show some way, somehow. That's why we have, you know, giant battle royals and eight-man tags and 
eight-man ladder matches. They try to get everybody on the show, and by splitting the two nights, you're not as rushed trying to get through it because that was always one of the knocks. Like every now and then, you and I be like, "Man, this match is great." It just felt like they cut the match short, or you know, you get the 18-second Sheamus Daniel Bryan match, you know, stuff like that, where we're like, "That's it. That's all we're getting." And now with two nights, you can always kind of you can plan stuff out better and give matches more time and let these guys do what they do best. I feel like um, so the Saturday move is really good because you know, like I said, you can watch it on Saturdays. The probably the cell was here that UFC boxing they do it on Saturday nights. Sundays is, is a night of like rest and people want to get ready for work. Um, but I would not be shocked, Doctor Trey, if this is the beginning where WrestleMania is the experiment, the two night event, and then you start seeing like SummerSlam as a two night event, Survivor Series as a two night event. I think that may be a stretch. Uh, the Rumble. As a two-night event, right? Like, night one is headlined by the men's. Night two is headlined by the women's Royal Rumble matches. Like, I think this could be the precipice. I think, overall, great business move. People do not like giving WWE credit nowadays for whatever reason. Saturday shows, I would take over any day of the week over a Sunday show. But I wouldn't be shocked if some of these big shows start going down the two-night event route as well. I think SummerSlam will definitely be the first domino. Um, but I think that opens up some possibilities in the future if this is their business model going forward. Yeah, I mean, you brought some good points there. I, I don't know if they could do it with Survivor Series unless we went back. I mean, I think what like one year we had like seven or eight matches with Survivor Series, and if you're doing multiple tag matches on there, it does kind of run long at times, and you get to short notes most of. But Rumble makes a lot of sense. Uh, SummerSlam makes a lot of sense, and even you know Money in the Bank. You could build money in the bank up and do the men's on one night and the women's on the other night and do the same thing there um, and then have carryover. If you have the women's on night one, you have the women's, you know, the title match on night two because now you have to wonder, are they going to cash in on night two? You know, kind of the same thing. But um, it does make a lot of sense for these for their bigger shows that, hey, if we spend this out over a weekend, A, we can draw two, two sold-out shows, which doubles our income. Uh, two nights of commercials doubles their income. Uh, it makes a lot of sense if they can sell it to advertisers and sponsors to to run that round. Like, like, look, night one did you know we got this many views on Peacock. Night two was equal, if not more. So you should you know advertise on both nights and double the revenue. Uh, all right, moving forward here, big news, pay per view calendar, gotta love it. Um, sticking with WWE, Sasha Banks came out in an interview recently uh, while speaking to Bleacher Report. This quote comes to us from Wrestling Inc. as well. Um, while speaking to Bleacher Report to promote WWE Crown Jewel, Sasha Banks had the following to say regarding the WWE Women's Division. Quote, the WWE Women's Division is the best it's ever been. I think it's the greatest of any era from top to bottom, and I can't, to see, can't wait to see what more the future brings, even from NXT 2.0. Dr. Trey, hard to disagree with Sasha right now. I know Bailey's on the sideline, which definitely uh, tapers a little bit. But you look at the women's wrestling in WWE right now, from Raw to SmackDown to NXT, it's pretty damn good. Um, I think the only exception is I wish the women's tag team division improved a lot more. But this may be the best women's roster ever uh, assembled. And they're executing it to that same level that I've ever seen in any wrestling promotion, let alone WWE right now. Yeah, it's hard to argue that because when you look at how great NXT was, say in the days of the Four Horsemen, we had you know maybe right after, like right before Charlotte got called up, and you had Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky jump to the main roster. You look at those at that time, and you're like, man, NXT was great. 
but maybe Raw and SmackDown wasn't there. And then you look at other times when Raw and SmackDown were great, maybe NXT wasn't there. Like the weak link in the company is the tag division. And then you look at NXT and you're going, well, they're working on that. You're, you're starting to see teams being formed and staying together. Now, once they get to the main roster, the things get shuffled around and, and it's just not as good on the main roster. But if you can keep that consistency from hey, these girls are teaming up in NXT, and now we see them on Raw and SmackDown, then that will improve. But talent-wise, from top to bottom, I mean, you look at some of the people they've released over the last couple of years, and it's like, yeah, they were good, but I think who they brought up is even better, so it balances out. And, you know, so, yeah, I, I can't argue with her from top to bottom. This is probably the deepest the roster's ever been. If we just maybe get a little bit better overall storytelling on the main shows because uh, they tend to be kind of focused just on the top of the card and not the bottom and the middle. Um, it'd be a little bit better, but it's hard to argue that because, I mean, AEW's women's roster, like women's, you know, women's division is okay. It's better than it was a year ago, but it's still not on the same level as what WWE's putting out there. Oh, no, no, not at all. I mean, uh, no disrespect here to Dr. Britt Baker, right? She's the AW World Champion. Is she a top five women's wrestler right now? Uh, are you now here? This is this is the question I always ask you, Jeff. For like pro wrestler or in ring wrestler? Uh, I will explain the difference here. So if you're going off, I always go like pro wrestling to me is. The complete package. Promo, in-ring work, charisma, like all that stuff. And then there's just the in-ring work. And is she a top five in-ring worker? No. Because I can probably, I mean, Natalia's a better wrestler than her. But if you said overall uh, I would, I would encompass everything. Are you putting in-ring work inside pro wrestling? Yeah, yeah. I count the I, I would say all-encompassing. So to answer your question, yeah, promo character, in-ring work, whatever little variables you want to add. Is she a top five wrestler? Yes. Okay. How do you? How does your top five look right now? Yeah, I mean, she's like at five. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, that's how I would agree. I would say yeah. Bianca, Charlotte, Becky, Sasha. This is no particular order. Um, and I think I would put Britt Baker at five. Uh, I think I would have, I would have Becky one... I would probably jump Sasha to two, which is wow. Jeff, this, is, this is groundbreaking because yeah. Sasha's this is the best I've ever seen Sasha. Um, I'd have Charlotte probably at three, Bianca at four. Wow, Britt. Bianca at four, huh? I don't like her as a baby face. I mean, it's just I don't like. I like. Oh, but she's so over. I know, but and it's legit, dude. Yeah, the kids love her. I just well, don't uh, like her. I think the adults do too because when the I Becky don't. heel turn happened. And we were talking about those reports. Does she want to go to the Roman Reigns route? I was like, this yeah. could be difficult. She is one of the most popular wrestlers, speaking of Becky Lynch. And you watch those crowds each and every week, and she would run down Bianca Belair, and they were not having it. And this was all-encompassing. Yeah, no, I, I think, like, once again, it's just personal preference. Like, I like, I like personally, I like Becky better as a baby face than I do a heel. I, to me, I watch her, and she's like, okay, she's doing the female Colin Mag or, uh, Conor McGregor. You know, I watch, I see Bianca, and I'm like, I remember Bianca in NXT as a heel. She's really good. I mean, she's a good baby face. I just think she's better as a heel. But I get it. Like, she has great charisma, and people want to like her and want to root for her. But, you know, that one arm press slam, 
crap kind of pissed me off. So uh, that's pretty badass. Um, is there any other AEW wrestler that could crack the top 10 outside of Britt Baker? As far as, okay, uh, now as far as personally, um, See, you're being very, it's like you're adding different layers to it. Personally, in-ring pro, you got to go with it here, brother. Go with it. Because I love Thunder Rosa. I think Thunder Rosa's fantastic. If you, but that's your opinion, right? Like, if you think she's a top ten wrestler, women's wrestler, then yeah, put her in there, brother. I would have, I'd have, I'd have, and once again, it'd probably be around nine, ten. She'd be the back end. Uh, and I do like Ruby Soho's, you know, since she got to AEW. I, I, I've loved Ruby as a wrestler from her independent days. So I'd probably have like Rosa and Ruby like nine and ten, but then I'd have. Uh, I mean, you got to put Raquel Gonzalez in there. Yeah. Uh, Dakota you know. Kai. I, I would make the argument, we'll cover Halloween Havoc here in just a second. I'd make the argument that WWE has made every single of the women in Toxic Attraction a star in the last month plus. Yeah. No, I mean, the Mandy Rose, I mean, I've, and once again, I've loved Mandy Rose since you know, she was on Tough Enough. Like, I just, I've always liked her. Uh, so I'd have her, I'd have Mandy in my top 10, uh, you know, for currently in the world. And I, you know, I have a soft spot for Natalia because I think Natalia is the best in ring technician when it comes to women's wrestling. There's been, and I think when she's when she's in a good feud, she's really fantastic on the microphone. The rest of the time, though, I think she just goes through the emotions. But you know, I'd have uh, I'd have I'd have Mandy, and then I just left out Rhea Ripley as well. So I got to put Rhea in there too. So that that might that might push, you know, Ruby or Thunder Rosa out of my top ten. Yeah, it it's um, it just goes to show you that I. I agree with Sasha. I think AEW really has to work on that women's division, and I think WWE's women's division in general is the best overall division in any professional wrestling right now. That's AEW, WWE, Impact Wrestling, ROH, whatever. I think it's the best, Dr. Trey. Yeah, but AEW's now, if you go back a year ago, you and I could not stand anything about the AEW women's division. Oh, it's awful. It's gotten better. It has. It's improved. The TBS championship has me excited. I like the moves they've made, but it'll be a lot of the execution yeah. that that needs to. We need to see it. Like, where's the Rios of the world? Yeah, but you. They've done. I mean, picking up like you know the Ruby Sohos, the, the Thunder Rosas, the Santana Garretts, you know the Serena Deeps helps because those oh, yeah. women can always put on a great match. As the younger girl, I mean Ty Conti. From her time in NXT to now, she's like a completely different wrestler. Yes, and she's yeah. going to be headlining on full gear in the women's match. Yeah. Like, that's massive. She's, she's come, I mean, she's kind of pulling a Mandy Rose. I mean, she's kind of pulling, um, you know, Lana, like Lana to extent where, like, they were god-awful in the ring at first, and then they got better and better and better. You see them putting the work in. But, yeah, like a year ago, they could not put on a good match in AEW. Now it's like... I just watched. I just spent like 15 minutes in there watching Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida go at it. And Great match. Watching the whole match, I'm like, damn, this is really good. So they've come a long way, but yeah, talent wise, I mean, WWE. We just named off like I just named off 10, 10 women's wrestlers, and eight of them, or actually eleven. So eight out of the eleven were in WWE. So obviously they had to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's. I definitely agree with Sasha Banks. AW uh, WWE's women's division is absolutely destroying it right now. And uh, props to them. I mean, they are potentially in their prime. Like, this is this is one of those things where you're in it right now, and you're like, man, this is a special time to be a wrestling fan. And I think you have that feeling right now when you watch the WWE women's division. 
Um, carrying over to NXT Halloween Havoc, let some thoughts here, Dr. Trey, JC Jane, and Gigi Dolan of Toxic Attraction win the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship in the latter match over uh, Io Shirai and Zoe Clark. Uh, Stark, excuse me, and, um, oh gosh, uh, Andy Hartwell and, what is it, Prisha Priyada, um, her tag team partner. Mandy Rose wins the NXT Women's Championship thanks to the returning Dakota Kai over Raquel Gonzalez. And Mandy Rose has been looking great in the ring for somebody who was... Probably bashed for her in-ring work. She's looked very good. Uh, Imperium wins the NXT Tag Team Championship over MSK. And Tommaso Ciampa retains over Braun Breaker in the NXT Championship match. So despite reports that uh, on Tuesday the Braun Breaker era was going to be kicking off, he takes the L next day. People are saying, nope, this is also part of the plan to make this his error in NXT. The law- Sometimes losses are better than championship wins. And you can make the case... That- that may have been the same for Braun Breaker. But overall, Dr. Trey, NXT Halloween Havoc, uh, your thoughts here on NXT 2.0's first real special. Yeah, I, I thought overall it was entertaining. I mean, I was, I mean, I, I didn't get bored watching the show. I mean, you named off a bunch of the, the winners there. Uh, even the uh, Gargano, Loomis, Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams stuff was pretty good. Oh, my God, I got Trick Williams' name right. I'm so proud of myself. Not about uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But overall, I, I thought it was really entertaining, and, and you're right. Like to me, I, I uh, you know, I thought Ciampa would win, but I wouldn't have been surprised if they put the belt on Breaker. But it does make sense if you're trying to get this guy over as a babyface, and to be one of those guys you build this company around going forward. Sometimes the the good guy has to lose in order for the fans to treat him like the underdog and get that sympathy to buy into him and and, and support him more. Otherwise. We get that whole like, oh, he's getting pushed too fast and too, you know, oh, he's he's just getting the treatment, and everything else. You know, I, I thought it was really well done. Plus, the other great tie-in I saw this on Facebook was Chucky yep. because Chucky talked to Braun Breaker and Chucky also talked to Rick Steiner like twenty years ago. So I thought it was yes. really cool as well. Yes, that was the Nitro spot because they ran Chucky was like laughing periodically during Nitros for like four weeks and then. Um, he appeared and confronted Rick Steiner, and they they alluded to it during the show. So props to NXT 2.0, giving some love to uh, to the Chucky Rick Steiner stuff. But great show for NXT 2.0. It's it's not a show. It doesn't have that same NXT feel that it did when I first started watching NXT back when the network launched seven years ago. But um, it does have potential, and that was a good kickoff there at Halloween Havoc this past Tuesday night. Uh, the last story here, Doctor Trey, and this is uh, this is an unfortunate one. Because uh, it goes back to the amount of love that we had for this promotion when the show kicked off back in 2010. Um, on Wednesday, Big Bombshell as Ring of Honor announced a hiatus for early 2022 as they, quote, reimagine the company. Uh, ROH announced the following on Wednesday, quote, that throughout the pandemic, our top priority was to keep everyone healthy and safe. And despite not producing any live events over 18 months, we were able to keep everyone fully con- contracted. We now find ourselves at a time where we need to make changes to our business operations and are planning a pivot for Ring of Honor with a new mission and strategy. The year will cultivate with a final battle in December, and we will be taking the first quarter of 2022 to work internally to reimagine ROH. ROH has been the most dedicated, has the most dedicated fans in the industry, and we appreciate their loyalty and patience as we reconceptualize ROH. We anticipate returning to live events in April for the Supercard of Honor with a new fan-focused product and provide a unique experience for wrestling fans, end quote. According to PW Insider, uh, the decision was made about one week ago. Um, talent was released 
everybody who had a contract that was expiring beyond um, uh, heading at the end of this year, they are becoming free agents. Um, anybody that was under contract beyond January 1st remain under contract for at least a certain period of time, room to be March 2022 uh, and or April 2022. Uh, it was noted by Brian Alvarez that wrestlers are free to work anywhere they want immediately despite their ROH contract status. Alvarez also said there's no truth to the rumors on Sinclair canceling the ROH show. Uh, ROH is still scheduled to tape episodes of their ROH TV series this weekend in Baltimore. And then, of course, December 11th final battle. Uh, what's next for ROH? According to Wrestling Observer Radio, they're reporting that ROH will come out of their hiatus, uh, operating more as an independent promotion. This will be the same as larger indie promotions like PWG and GCW, where they bring up bring in top talents for their show. So ROH potentially going back to their uh, their their what what made them so popular from 2022 to 2011. Excuse me, 2002 to 2011 before they were bought by Sinclair Broadcasting Group. Uh, then finally, this is where like. You know, I'm percolating a little bit like, hmm, this is interesting. According to reports, ROH's tape library is for sale. Sports Illustrated's Justin Barceau reports that the ROH tape library is now available and will go to the highest bidder. Obviously, the library includes early career footage from such stars as Seth Rollins, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Cesaro, Samoa Joe, Adam Pierce, Cesaro, the Young Bucks, Kevin Owens, Impact World Champion Moose, and many others. Uh, it was noted that ROH has been privately trying to move the library, which includes a Sinclair-owned archive from 2012 to present. For more than a year now, uh, WWE reportedly had strong interest in the ROH library at one point, even had talks with the company in 2017. It'll be interesting to see if WWE still has that interest, as this was way back when they had so many former ROH stars being featured on all three brands. Uh, ROH is reportedly asking for significant money for the library, said it'd be much more than the current market dictates. From an AEW standpoint, the ROH tape library also includes the all-in pay-per-view from September 2018, which is the precursor to AEW. While AW owns the trademark, ROH owns the footage for that key event. This is the yep. fact that stars like Punk and Danielson are now in AW and make that library an important buy for AW, especially as they look ahead at plans for their own network. Dr. Trey, this is a, a really sad story. Your entire thoughts here as ROH is shutting down for a little bit to, quote, reimagine the company. You know, it's, it's ironic. You and I, like, you're the one who actually got me into Ring of Honor. Like hearing you and, and Eric talk about it is what got me started watching Ring of Honor. Um, and then for years, we would sit here on the show and go, is Impact going out of business? Is Impact going out of business this year? Is Impact going? And then the last couple of years, you and I have brought up, is Ring of Honor going to make it through the year? And unfortunately, this year, it seems like they're not going to. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really bummed out about this because as, as much as I have not been watching the product, I still pay attention to the product because – uh, one of my good friends is uh, actually a couple of my friends are parts of Ring of Honor. O'Shea Edwards is part of uh, Shane Taylor Promotions. One of my really good friends, Dan Housen's a friend of mine. He's part of Ring of Honor. So I've, I've been paying attention to the product, but it's disheartening when you see somebody say, hey, we're going to close up shop for a little while to reimagine the product going forward because either they come out stronger than ever or out of sight, out of mind, and they just go away. Um, so it's got me a little bit worried, uh, about that. Cause I'm interested in what they, what, what the reimagining is like, is it going to be something great or is it if something come out even better? Or is it going to be like when Coke put out new Coke and it was God awful, or I saw the trailer for the new Buzz Lightyear movie and doesn't look good either. So I'm a little worried. Wow. Um, that got a lot of buzz. No pun intended. 
It did, but like when you're when you have a three year old who loves Toy Story and you see the, the trailer for it and you're like, Man, that looks a little dark. I don't know if my <laughs> I don't know if Sammy can watch I don't know if Sammy Franklin's gonna jump all over this one. He loves him some Buzz Lightyear, so uh, it's a little bit kind of gritty in the in the in the trailer. But um, when it comes to tape library, it's, it, this is really interesting because I can see them going one of two ways. I see WWE jumping all over and going, you know what? If we buy this, we own, you know, all in. And Ring of Honor, I mean, uh, AEW can't get this back from us. And then I can see AEW going, well, not only do we need to buy that back to get all in, but we got so much footage of guys in WWE right now, we can feature them on our network. We see Impact do that all the time with the Impact Network featuring matches from AJ Styles and everybody else that's on the other rosters. Um, so it's, it's very interesting that both brands are kind of like, they're playing chicken with each other. Like, like Ring of Honor set a price. And both companies are like, it's a little too much, but it's going to be who blinks first and the other guy buys it up. So that's going to be interesting to see where that plays out because if, if AEW buys it up, they need content to do a network. They need a reason for people to watch the network other than for their pay-per-views once they get it going. So they need some content. And we saw WWE take the same route when they launched the WWE Network by buying up all the old territory shows. Um and then when it comes down just you know just in general, it just sucks. I mean, you and I are now, we're in an age where we got to see all these brands crossing over, and, and there's been more contracts and more money thrown to wrestling maybe in the last couple of years than we've seen since the Attitude Era. And it just sucks to see a company kind of shut down that basically has been the founding you know the founding block of what wrestling is right now because so many of these shows emulate what made Ring of Honor so successful. You know, in those days, and I'm kind of curious to see what, what you know Kerry Sulkin's going to say. I, I don't think he's released a statement yet, but I know Kerry. I mean, you know, you've met Kerry, and yeah, I, I used to know Kerry. Yeah, yeah, and Kerry still, even though he's not part of the company, he's, it's still one of his kids. You know, that's, that's one of his babies, and I'm still kind of just waiting to see what what Kerry has to say because Kerry's still got kind of a connection to WWE and stuff like that from you know the Evolve stuff and everything else. So. I'm curious to see what, what, when he released his statement and see what his statement is. Yeah, I, I did see some of his uh, stuff on his Twitter account. He was basically like saying that the wrestlers like they'll be okay and all that stuff uh, on Twitter. I guess he's like an ROH ambassador. I'll be honest. I followed ROH from 2002 to uh, 2011. And the last show I went to for ROH was the show where they announced Sinclair Broadcast Group was uh, was taken over, and I tried for a little bit, and it just was not the same, and it was not as good as it used to be. They changed the entire look and feel of ROH, and uh, it, it was, wasn't was what I know uh, as I was growing up. I used to watch the video wires all the time. They used to be on YouTube. They used to be like 20-minute recap episodes. I used to buy the DVDs. Uh, I would go to the shows in New York City. I was friends with Carrie Silken uh, and ROH stuff, guys in general, when I first started out in podcasting. Like, it was great. So it breaks my heart to see ROH like this. And more importantly, when you look at the entire scope of the, the story here, Dr. Trey, I don't know if ROH is, is coming back at all, Dr. Yeah. Trey. I don't think you're selling the tape library if you're coming back. Like, this just does not sound good to me. I think the ROH that we know and love is dead. If you didn't think it was alive after two thousand after Sinclair Broadcast Group, uh, bought it, then then it's probably been dead for you for a long time. But ROH as itself, I just don't see it being the viable third or fourth promotion in the United States like it used to be anymore. I think this is this is a bad omen for the future of ROH, being that they're reimagining, going on hiatus, 
releasing everybody from their contracts, let them go work wherever. I saw Bandito, the ROH world champion, is already going to be in a couple game changer wrestling shows. Um, and you're trying to say, sell the tape library. Like, it's just not a good look. And, and they fall into a hind, honestly. They've, like, game changer wrestling has, has kind of surpassed them here in the United States. Impact wrestling has, has surpassed them. Um, it's a sad day for wrestling to have to trade when ROH isn't going to be a potential another outlet for professional wrestlers for for at least a little bit of time right now. Yeah, and it also changes the landscape of independent wrestling because, you know, for, for years you and I would be like, hey, so what independent guys are going to get signed by the bigger companies? And the last couple of years, we just didn't see anybody out there. There just really hasn't been anybody that's going to jump out and make you take notice. Well, now with all these guys getting pushed back into the independent market, it does change the landscape because guys who may have been getting bigger payouts on the indies, you know, now when you get the Briscoes hitting the independent market, the Jay Lincoln wow. of the world, you know, everybody else joining into the, the independent wrestling market game, it's going to push everybody else down. Um, but what it does is it also now creates a vacuum where, Game Changer can get bigger. PWG, if they decide to get bigger, can get bigger. And some of these other up-and-coming promotions can kind of jump on there if they can get the right financial support and they can elevate themselves and bring in some of these guys. You know, it does create a market. There's, I mean, Ring of Honor has a marketplace. There's, there's a diehard fan base. And if somebody can grab a hold of that, they can elevate themselves from maybe niche to at least a little bit more mainstream. So there is that possibility that something kind of grows out. I mean, Ring of Honor kind of grew out of the shadows of ECW. You know, there's that possibility that, you know, that same thing can happen again with another promotion stepping up, getting some money up and, and putting, a, putting a good roster together and, you know, finding another market. Because if Sinclair stops producing TV shows, guess what? That means those TV networks that were running Ring of Honor now have a slot to fill and there's a possibility somebody can kind of jump on that. We don't have enough time to talk about the impact that ROH has had on professional wrestling yeah. over the last 20 years, especially that uh, first era, the 2002 to 2011 era of ROH. That could be an entire show in itself. But uh, all in all, this is this is a sad day. Uh, you think about the talents, where they're going to end up next. Some of them will land on their feet. Some will not. Uh, what is the look of ROH going to be? Is it going to be like it was? Or is it going to be a promotion that runs like one-off shows every once in a while, like a Beyond Wrestling, like a Game Changer Wrestling, even though they're doing more dates, like uh, like a PWG, which has kind of been dormant during the entire pandemic, and obviously with Excalibur working for AEW now, is it uh, you know w- w- is it like a CZW where they pop up every once in a while? So interesting times ahead for ROH. Sad day for sure, but um, unfortunately, if you've been watching the trajectory of ROH, kind of not surprising. Uh, in general, it always has felt like for the last near 20 years that they've been in business that at some point they were going to pull the plug uh, time and time again. I think that's why Kerry sold the company in 2011. Like it was, it was getting really close to uh, to wrapping up. So sad day overall for professional wrestling, and hopefully ROH uh, gets back on its feet here in in the near future, especially all the talent because there's a plenty of talented people that are now uh, available to any promotion for the taking. Danhausen, Briscoe Brothers, Jay Lethal. Bandino, Rush, whoever, they are now out there uh, to improve a wrestling company going forward. Uh, with that said, Dr. Trey, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Still Real Toys Show. Let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at thepowershow.com. 
Russell Chatnet on Twitter, and the So Real Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can uh, find me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, if you're on Facebook, check out Rocket League Championship Wrestling as we have a show coming up November 6th as we take off this weekend for Halloween. So uh, all the kids get their spooky uh, treats and tricking in uh, for that. So be sure to check that out as we also post the pictures and the links to our Facebook page as well, which is facebook.com. Still real to a show, maybe, I think. Facebook.com slash the real to a show, yeah. Okay. I just left out B. That was where I messed up. I left out B. So there you go. So there you go. Support all the great things that support SRTU and keep uh, downloading, sharing, telling your friends that enjoy professional wrestling to download this podcast each and every week. Anything that we talked about in this week's edition of the show, feel free to hit us up at SRTU Podcast on Twitter or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Still Wrote That Show. And go out there and support all the great things that Dr. Trey mentioned earlier on. That'll be up on the page as well. So until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, this is the last show of October, man. This year is uh, is closing up real fast. We should be announcing the holiday schedule soon. So for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Beck. This is The Still Real Thug Show. Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Rated PG-13. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun's just getting started. To the max. This is gonna be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock.